Hi there, this is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner with Momenta Partners. Welcome to the Momenta Intelligent Edge podcast series, where we feature leading practitioners and thinkers across connected industry and the broader technology landscape. Good day. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner of Momenta Partners, uh, back again with a another special guest for our Edge podcast series. Today, we have Sam George, who's the director of, of As. Azure IoT. He's responsible for Microsoft IoT Central, Azure IoT Suite, Azure IoT Edge, and many, many other projects. He's a Microsoft veteran. He's been there since 97. He spent time in, in uh, three engineering disciplines and has, has worked in dev uh, or in development. And in, in uh, 2011, he moved to pro- program management leadership. And uh, Sam is a, a fixture in and a, a thought leader in the IOT community, and I'm just I'm so thrilled that we had a chance to uh, to get you on the podcast. Well, thank you, Ed, and it's uh, it's great to join you and uh, and and your listeners this morning. Thanks for having me. Terrific. So, first question is just to get a sense of, of you know what's shaped your view of of the Internet of Things. What what are the kind of the the, the key you know, forces or uh, the experiences that you have that have that you know that have really informed your view? Yeah, I'd say um, the the biggest thing that's informed uh, my view, and I think really Microsoft's view, um, has been all the customers that we've met with that help shape uh, and ha- help shape our understanding of the needs in the space. Um, we, you know, we benefited from from this very early on because there was a tremendous amount of interest uh, in IoT very early on, and so we had a lot of companies. Uh, that were coming to Microsoft or we were going to them who were interested in IoT, you know, before, you know, it was supported broadly in Azure, uh, or any of the other clouds. And so we heard a lot about what they were, you know, what they thought about it, you know, what they were expecting from it, what they were looking to benefit from. And one of the things that we did early on is we, we realized that, um, you know, IoT can be a complex topic and that part of what our position was going to be in IoT was to simplify it to enable mass adoption. You know, that's something that really kind of goes to Microsoft's heritage. Like if you look back in our past, you know, or back in the day, building, um, you know, client applications using C++, you know, we invented Visual Basic you know, sort of revolutionized client programming. And you, you can think of um, you can think of what we've done and what our focus in focus has been on IoT is doing that same thing um, for IoT. Um, when when we step back and think about an IoT solution, this is from, you know, hundreds of hours of customer conversations and partner conversations. One of the things we realized and, and it was important to realize early on is like what is IoT? What constitutes an IoT solution? Why would you do it? Why would you, you know, why would you bother? Um, and in a lot of ways, what we found is that what companies were looking for is, you know, the ability to sense their, you know, their products, their assets in real time, to be able to have that be just a sort of a digital process 
just like the rest of their businesses were and sort of completing, you know, sort of marrying the physical world to the, to the digital world. And there's a whole bunch of things you can do uh, once you do that. And when you sort of zoom in and look at a IoT solution, we see a very simple sort of three-tiered structure. There's, there's things that you're monitoring. There's insights that you gain from, you know, bothering to monitor them. And then there's actions that you drive as a result. And every IoT solution that we've seen our customers and partners build sort of adheres to that. Um, and then what we've done is we've simply gone and, gone about and said, how can we make it, you know, how can we dramatically simplify it for, you know, connecting to and managing those things at, you know, the kinds of extreme scales that you find in IoT? How can you do that securely? Um, how can you do that, you know, across a huge array of devices and assets that people are wanting to connect to? How do you make it so that insights are simple to, to gain? Um, and then how do you make it so that, you know, you can connect to really you know, any business process and, and drive action. And so I think the big thing that influenced us was, you know, all of those conversations very early on with customers and partners. So they, you you really have been you know, kind of driven by it was in in many respects it was more of a uh, a pull conversation than a push as I at least as I've observed Microsoft's yeah. uh, evolution in the space right you weren't necessarily uh, you know focused on the the category but um, you have this I mean I think what's 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 interesting of course about Microsoft is it's a there's a uniquely broad set of capabilities and technologies, um, but connecting to, you know, operational technologies and, and making that bridge is is uh, you know is a little bit of a different. It, it, it's a it's a different domain than traditional IT, for instance. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, how 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 did you really approach some of these, uh, you know, the challenges or, or really the unique aspects of of working with industrial companies? And absolutely. And I, yeah, that's a that's a great question. And you know, we took a very humble approach. Um, you know, we we spent a lot of time learning the space and learning it well. Um, before we figured out exactly uh, what to do. And we base that. I mean, we have a history, uh, for example, in industrial automation. I mean, we were selling Windows Embedded, you know, into industrial automation companies for, for many, many years. And so we had a lot of those relationships um, that were already built up, you know, with companies like Schneider Electric and Siemens and ABB and, you know, some of the uh, very large players in the industrial space. So we spent a bunch of time with them. We understood what are the what are the concerns of the you know OT teams? Um, what what does it look like to build out a manufacturing plant? What is it? What are the concerns of the operators? What are the tensions that you get um, between you know IT teams? How do we help bridge those? So we we spent a lot of time in in a very humble posture, I think, um, you know, asking a lot of questions and understanding and. I, I also felt this was, you know, this was, you know, as we were doing this, this was right around when Satya came on as our CEO. And, you know, as you mentioned early on in the podcast, you know, I've been at Microsoft for a long time. And, you know, there's just such a, you know, such a great, um, uh, revolution that happened when Satya, when Satya took over as CEO. And it really helped us, especially in this IoT space, we really benefited from it. Because instead of looking at it at IoT from the lens of 
what do you know what what can customers do with what we already have? We looked at it through the lens of what are the what are the business problems and the technology problems that would support those that we could do regardless of you know what we have you know because if we don't have it we'll go build it um, as as an example our our posture on IoT um, as far as connecting to devices from day one was that we would connect to you know any device running any operating system you know anywhere on the planet. Um, it wasn't a hey we'll connect to only Windows devices as an example. Yeah. And, that- uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was I was I was just going to say it, it's and you've also uh, you know, have a, a whole different range of of you know, partnerships and uh, that, that and and have built an ecosystem that's that that is in in many respects kind of distinct from working with you know, ISVs for instance that have you know that that build on your platform. That's right. Um, so you know what that really freed us up to do is to find what what are the what are all the problems that co- companies are going to look look to us for, and we heard a number of them. You know we heard problems around, um, you know, problems around security, problems around you know needing to be processing extreme amounts of data, process challenges around managing large 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 fleets. Um, challenges around, you know, wanting these offerings, wanting these sort of solutions to run not just in the cloud, but on premises and in hybrid configurations. And so, anyway, we took all of that and that formed the, the genesis of, you know, our IoT strategy and the IoT offerings that we've been building out now, um, for four years. Um, and so it's been an amazing journey. Um, you know, what's most exciting to us about the Internet of Things is that, you know, we are really getting to the point where um, companies can benefit from it really, really, really quickly today from a technology point of view. <clears throat> and then the really interesting part that I'm looking at is, you know, in a lot of ways, when you remove the technology barriers, what you're left with in IoT is that, the, that a company is faced with their own digital transformation. And I know everybody talks about digital transformation, but it's a real thing that I see every day with companies. Um, so you imagine a company that has a, you know, an asset that they service and there's a project going on to connect those assets and to use machine learning to drive predictive maintenance so that you know exactly when to service it. You know, there's a real human element to that transformation where people that said, you know, typically would have said, hey, I know when to service these things, um, you know, and I don't, I don't want, you know, I, I don't know what the world is going to look like where software is helping me know when to serve these things. And, or sales organizations that say, hey, I know how to sell service contracts, but I'm not quite sure about uptime guarantees and subscriptions and things like that. And so those transfer, those transformations and the viscosity that they cause are very real. Hmm. Yeah, the, you you'd spoken about simplicity as as uh, you know really is it really is a driving mission and IoT over the last several years and in, in many respects was a was a concept or or an idea that 
had had seen some very how should we say optimistic uh, yeah, expectations uh-huh. that were you know that were yeah I think that 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 many vendors expected that uh, you know, we, we would see sort of a uh, you know up and to the right curve where where it's it has tended to be much more of a really steady adoption but could you could you talk a bit about some of the you know the the initial problems that uh, that you found some of your customers addressing and and how that mapped to you know, your own uh, focus and and absolutely and how how that's evolved over time. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's say so. First of all, you know, to to talk about this, um, I think it's important to lay out for a moment um, when you when you think about a typical IoT solution. Um, we've seen many many thousands of these now. When you think about a typical IoT solution. Um, especially from a cloud point of view where, you know, you're connecting to devices, you're collecting data, you're finding insights from that, you're driving informed actions. Um, there's a, there's a, there's a, tip, there's a very typical service architecture that we see again and again. We have a, we've uh, published and recently updated our reference architecture that explains how all the different Azure services can work together, how, you know, on-premises offerings can work together, you know, in partnership to form an IoT solution. With the typical benefits being things like, you know, I know where my devices are. I know whether they're operational. I know if they left a geofence or if they entered one. <clears throat> I know what their servicing window is and, you know, what to, what parts to bring when it's time to service them and things like that. So when you, when you look at the service architecture, you typically see, you know, there's a cloud gateway for connecting to and managing all of those devices. And that's what our Azure IoT Hub does. There's, you know, data storage, um, like Azure Data Lake, uh, Azure Storage, for collecting all of those volumes, all of that volumes of telemetry, um, or even things like Azure Time Series Insights for dealing with the time series data that's coming from devices. And then there's analytics things, like being able to run, you know, figure out predictive models for, you know, knowing when the service, optimal service window is. For that, there's offerings like Azure Machine Learning. Um, and then business process integration, you know, when I know something is happening on a device that shouldn't be or I need to adjust its servicing window, how do I, you know, how do I get into the workflow of my business process integration, be it SAP or Salesforce or Dynamics, and sort of drive informed action? So if you think about all of the services that I just talked about, um, in a lot of ways, if you're a, uh, if you're an enterprise, um, those are all, um, you know, we, we, we lovingly refer to those as our Legos. Mm. And the reason why we call them our Legos is because, you know, from a business talking to an enterprise point of view, um, you can't lead with those services. You can't explain, you can't simply say, hey, look, here's, you know, here's 50 different services. And if you assemble them according to our reference architecture, things will be awesome. And instead, what, what, what we found is that you know, businesses want to be able to evaluate the return on investment for IoT, and they want to be able to do it quickly. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of companies, you know, that are out there um, vying for attention in the IoT space. And so, you know, if you're a business, you have to consider, you know, who are the t- who are the top ones, and how do I evaluate them? And you know, of course, you know, most businesses they have their day job too, and so it's about how can they do that quickly. So something that we did very early on is we 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 start we introduced solution accelerators and what the solution accelerators are is something where you can take your azure subscription and 
uh, tell us which region you want it provisioned into, and we'll go provision all of those services and produce a working end-to-end IoT solution. And it takes about five minutes. Like we lay down, you know, like ten different services. You get a Azure website that includes, you know, all the dashboarding capabilities that you need and all that for a for an IoT solution. And then it takes about another five minutes. You can connect devices. And so that very same day, you can have a proof of concept. You know, that week you can have a pilot. Um, you can get into production much faster. And so that that's actually helped a lot. It helped because then people could see and touch IoT right away as opposed to, you know, hearing about the value but not being able to get to it. So that was one thing. That, that was one part of our evolution. And for, and for several years, we've had that in market, and that's, that's worked really well. Now, what we've seen is that even with that approach, um, it still leaves a lot, it still leaves a lot, uh, sort of an exercise to the reader of, hey, when you, <clears throat> when you decide that it's time to scale this up to a million devices or 10 million devices or hundreds of millions of devices, um, you know, you typically need, you know, professional services to come in and do that, you know, either our partner or our own and things like that. And so, and, and we saw so much of the same sort of solutions rinse and repeat again and again. That what that enabled us to do is take take IoT solutions to the next level. And so what we did last year um, is we introduced uh, another offering called um, Azure IoT Central, and that's a SaaS offering for IoT. It's a software as a service offering. Um, it requires no cloud solution development expertise at all, and so you simply connect devices to it um, using our software development kits. Um, you can completely customize it to any sort of vertical that you want, be it, you know, I'm tracking vaccines or I'm making sure that, you know, I know where all my trucks are for fleet management. Um, it enables you to customize it, uh, build build uh, monitoring logic for all of the IoT devices, trigger business process integration, all without having to write a single line of code in the cloud. <clears throat> and so that sort of speaks to the, you know, evolution that we've had. You know, we started with these, really hyperscale Legos. I don't mean to insult them by calling them Legos because, I mean, for example, our messaging infrastructure, you know, when we started, it was processing uh, about 10 million messages every month, and today it's over 2 trillion a day. So wow. it, they're, 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 they're pretty uh, significant Legos. <laughs> um, but from a business point of view, you really don't care about that. You trust that Microsoft's going to have the scale that you need. Right, and that's our job is to take care of that. You, but you know, you you want to you want to be able to find out whether you can benefit from IoT, what that looks like, and what the return on investment are. And so, today, when you go and provision an IoT Central application, for example, you can it provisions in 15 seconds. You you can actually connect a device within a minute, and you can actually get to production within a day. And so, you know, that that speaks to the simplification drive that we've got. You know, it's it's been uh, I, I, it's clearly the you know the that driving force is uh, you know of Microsoft that message is really resonates with with the market right because it it, it has every one of these uh, industries that is that falls under this rubric of of you know Internet of Things right is has their own they'll have their own standards whether you're talking about building automation or manufacturing or, or transportation or energy there these are these are quite heterogeneous businesses now I actually wanted to to ask 
ask you a bit about uh, you know about the platform strategy and and some of the way you think about partnerships because you know when I think about Microsoft as a business platform which is a you know a business where you know third parties develop in their own uh, IP that leverages the you know the, the really the underlying capabilities or the well say yeah the Lego blocks or building blocks yeah. I mean Microsoft. Uh-huh. Is you know is the epitome. They're one of the they're if pro, they are the we're biggest a, we're a platform and partner company. Yeah, absolutely. And yep. IoT has uh, you know there's quite a lot of confusion about IoT platforms. I, yep. I've seen estimates of up to 500 platforms, which seem quite redundant. And you know our our we're, our view is that there's going to be some consolidation, and a lot of that those capabilities get rolled up into applications. But you've had some some partnerships. You know that uh, you mentioned Schneider, and I think of ABB and Rockwell, uh-huh. and and some others that come to mind. And and would love to get br- the perspective on your partner philosophy, and also that you know the, how the emphasis you put on on the technology platform is you know, works and and is helping to accelerate some of the work that your your partners are doing as well. That's a great question. The uh, uh, you know we are very much a you know a platform and partner company. It's very much in our DNA, and one of the reasons why IoT is such a natural for Microsoft, um, you know, to put so, such an emphasis on uh, leading is that there is you know. IoT is more of a technique <laughs> than than anything. It's an approach. It's an approach of being able to sense physical things in real time and take action, take informed action <clears throat> from your insights on them. And as a result, because it's a technique, it means it's broadly applicable to nearly every market segment there is. And as a result of that, the amount of vertical specialization that you see for IoT in each one of these market segments is extreme. And what that really means is that we rely on partners to provide that vertical specialization, be it in industrial automation, be it in smart buildings, you know, be it in healthcare, oil and gas, life sciences. Like, we, we really, it's not in our DNA to provide that vertical specialization. It's in our DNA to build the hyperscale um, capabilities either in the cloud or on premises um, that that make these partners successful, and so that 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 very much drives us, and that's something. And I'm glad you asked about that because that's part of our sort of our core philosophy in IoT. And as an example, with IoT Central, it's a horizontal offering, meaning it doesn't do any vertical specialization out of the box. You have to, you know, partners provide that. And so even though we're getting to the point where, you know, even uh, companies that are not technically uh, or don't have technical capabilities um, can use IoT Central, we still see a strong need for partners to, to provide um, that vertical specialization. That's great, uh, I, and I think the uh, yeah, it, it certainly you know from the standpoint of being able to allocate resources for, you know from the partners' perspective, right? I mean they're they're able to allocate their you know their innovation resources, their R and D budgets, not in not on reinventing the wheel or. Uh, but they're actually able to leverage all of the work that you're putting into scalability and and data management and and uh, and you know, all all these other uh, you know, abilities to to give connect devices and then and then build that business logic on top. So uh, yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's. Um, I think that's that that's that's pretty remarkable. Now, um, and one, one one last thing that I'd add to that as well is that I think early on, what you saw is that you know many of the partners initially, you know, when when we were just getting started, say four years ago, many of the partners started building their own sort of IoT platform on top of on top of Azure. And what they've seen over time is that, you know, we, we tend to move pretty fast with all of these horizontal capabilities. Um, and so what we're seeing more and more is that um, the partners themselves are just simply using the Azure IoT platform now, as opposed to having to build a large, you know, sort of layer on top. Um, that, and that has been a transformation that's been happening over the last several years. And And, and eventually what they realize is, you know, we're, we're moving pretty darn fast. Um, we're able to, you know, meet all their needs, uh, oftentimes before they could build it out themselves. And what we're seeing is sort of an equilibrium where they're, they're really starting to focus more and more on just the vertical specialization that they're doing. You know, there's no reason for any of these partners to try to support a service that can scale to two trillion messages a day, <laughs> right? But providing, you know, the deep uh, machine learning insights that tell you exactly when to service for example, you know, oil and gas pump, that's hard stuff. And we see them, you know, really filling in that need now. Yeah, I was interested to follow up on on the, uh, the AI slash uh, machine learning slash cognitive offerings. I know, uh, I think as I recently saw that Microsoft has about eight thousand people who are working in 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 research, and and uh, a lot of that is is focused on AI and machine learning. And as an accelerant to innovation, I mean the you know the 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 potential uh, that AI brings to the table to, you know, really to drive uh, a, a really, uh, you know, just a, a new rate of, of, of innovative, um, you know, value creation is, it's, it's pretty unprecedented. I'd love to get your perspective on how the, uh, you know, the advances in AI and machine learning, and we can certainly look just even over the last couple of years, right, with the, you know, the development of, of you know, more powerful and cheaper views and FPGAs, uh, you know, how's that, how is that fit into your IoT strategy? And are you, are there any areas where you see that uh, you know, see the technology having a, uh, a, a really significant or uh, very near-term impact. Absolutely. And, you know, going, going back to that structure that I talked about, about the things and insights and actions, um, insights is an incredibly important part of it. If, in fact, I'd say in a lot of ways, insights is the most important part, you know, the insights that you can gain. Um, you know, no, no one gets a lot of value from simply connecting to and managing large fleets of devices, <laughs> right? Um, you get, you get value out of the insights that that provides. And what we're seeing increasingly is that, um, you know, machine learning and its ease of use, um, is, is absolutely driving, um, the value in IoT. And so that is why we have such a, you know, tremendous investment in terms of engineering resources across Microsoft in building out very sophisticated, um, AI and uh, machine learning platforms. So let me give a couple examples. Um, and broadly speaking, if you think about, you know, sort of the state of the art right now, um, you know, if you are, um, if you're a company or if you're a partner that has data scientists, you know, the offerings that we have right now are, are very, very easy to use. Like we have a very sophisticated machine learning workbench now. 
um, that enables you to build very sophisticated machine learning models quickly, um, to be able to deploy those at, at high scale in the cloud. And we've even made it now so that we can take those same machine learning models and push them right down to IoT devices uh, with IoT Edge. And I think we'll talk about that in a moment. But, you know, if you think of the, the, the sort of state of the art and where, um, where a lot of uh, innovation is happening is at that sort of base level of machine learning where you really need to be a data scientist to know what you're doing. And, you know, speaking to our heritage and our passion about democratizing technology and making it, you know, available for mass adoption, that's really where we've been coming from when you look at what we're doing with our cognitive services. Now, our cognitive services are... You know, the typical machine learning workflow is, you know, collecting data, labeling it, <clears throat> splitting off the data, applying different machine learning algorithms, uh, you know, finding the, you know, optimal uh, algorithm that, that, you or that predicts what you're after, and then testing it on the second half of the data set that you, you know, didn't train it on. Um, cognitive services takes a, a really different approach. As an example, one of our cognitive services um, is the uh, vision service where, you know, if I'm looking for certain certain objects uh, in images, um, instead of having to go through all of those steps that I just listed, what you do instead is you simply upload a series of images to this service and you label them. As an example, we have a, we have a fun little example that we showed at, at uh, our Build Developer Conference um, in Scott Guthrie's keynote, our uh, Executive Vice President over Cloud and AI. And, and the demo that we had was one called Scott, Not Scott. <laughs> and what we did was we took a bunch of pictures of Scott and we labeled them, you know, these are, these are Scott. And then we took a bunch of pictures of the other person who was on stage and we labeled those Not Scott. <laughs> and then we uploaded all of those images to the custom vision service, which is a cognitive service, and we hit, we clicked the train button and that produced an image classifier in about a minute. And then what we did is we took that image classifier so I could send new images to the cloud and it would say whether it was Scott or not. But then we also showed taking that same image classifier, that machine learning model, running it right down on a device connected to a camera and then disconnected that from the cloud and it was still recognizing Scott or not Scott. That really speaks to two things. One is, you know, our passion of, you know, democratizing uh, these, these you know, AI and machine learning capabilities and what we're doing with cognitive services. We're making it so that anyone, any mere mortal, um, can, can take advantage of, uh, of sophisticated AI. The other thing is we're making it so that it can not just run in the cloud, but it can also run right on devices as well. And that really speaks to a broader trend that we're seeing where, you know, as you, as, as, as IoT really gets going and some of the more sophisticated, you know, and at scale customers that we have, what we're seeing is that there's this natural equilibrium that starts to happen between things that are happening in the cloud and things that are happening right down on the device. And we refer to that as edge computing. Yeah. we. Uh, I was, In fact, I was just about to go there because uh, that's one of the areas we've been, been focused on a lot. I'd love to get uh, a, bit of, yeah, a bit of context about how you're thinking about IoT Edge and uh, what the implications are for uh, business logic and, and how, uh, how you design and, and, and create applications when, you're, when you start to incorporate these technologies. Yep. So um, the, the way we think about this, and again, we always like to have sort of a context in which all of these, are hap all of these you know, innovations are happening. Um, 
when you think about it, there's these waves of computing that have been happening over the last several years. You know, cloud is well understood. <clears throat> you know, being able to have near infinite compute resources anywhere on the planet. IoT is a wave that's been benefiting from cloud. And in fact, if you, if you, you know, in our opinion, the reason why IoT has taken off is because of cloud. And just to add a little color to that, IoT has been around for a long time. It was called machine to machine, and people were, you know, doing many of these same techniques, you know, 10, 15 years ago. What's different about IoT now is that I can simply rely on cloud and, you know, all the, you know, 50 different regions that Azure exists in, in the world. So if I want to have fleet management in the U.S. and fleet management in China and fleet management in Germany, I don't have to worry about building out data centers there and all the, you know, hassles that incurs. I can simply take the exact same application and provision it, you know, three different times. Um, so, you know, IoT has benefited from cloud. And then we see the next wave that's been happening, and you know, in our opinion, it's been happening for about the last year and a half, um, that we call edge computing. And of course, edge computing has also been around for a long time. It was just called something different. It was called embedded development. So people were already doing building logic on devices to you know do things. Um, what's different about edge computing is it takes advantages of those previous waves of computing of IoT and cloud. And in our opinion, you know, edge computing is really enabled by um, by a um, consistency of being able to run something either in the cloud or out in the you know physical physical world or both. So it enables you to uh, have workload portability. So as an example that uh, that that example that I just gave about taking cognitive services and being able to run it in the cloud or on device. The, the mechanism that we're using for portability between those two um, is containers. And so, you know, containers is a, uh, for those that are, those that are familiar, you know, containers are really revolutionizing uh, modern application development in the cloud, um, where you're able to create, you know, very fine-grained microservices and uh, manage fleets of them um, to be able to even develop them locally on your, you know, on your laptop. Um, and run, you know, hundreds of containers and then push those out to the cloud to have uh, constant integration, constant deployment uh, uh, approaches uh, using containers. And so when we looked at our edge computing approach, containers was a natural choice for how, how we do portability. Um, and so what that means is that all of these different Azure services that we're now targeting to the edge that now run uh, in this product that we call IoT Edge, and that can run on devices as small as Raspberry Pi or as large as you need. Um, it's a container-based system, and what we've done is we've gone around and taught all these different Azure services, like Azure Machine Learning, Azure Stream Analytics, Azure SQL, to take parts of them, to take certain bits of functionality like the uh, machine learning scoring algorithms or the image classifiers and export them to Docker containers so that they can be pushed out remotely to potentially fleets of millions of devices and yet still managed because that's the next challenge that you run into, you know, with edge computing. It's easy to push workloads out to a million devices. Managing them, patching them, upgrading them, like that's where the real challenge comes mm -hmm. in. And so we did that very intentionally only after we had very sophisticated device management capabilities in our IoT hub, our cloud gateway. So we already can manage, you know, millions and millions of devices. Um, and so now we're able to not just manage those devices, but also these edge workloads within them. Yeah, I, I really, uh, that philosophy really 
to me mirrors a bit of what uh, when Azure was really first designed this you know this ability to to move virtualized workloads from an on-premise to a you know to a cloud. Uh, cloud-based uh, infrastructure, and then be able to have that hybrid model is was something that Microsoft really pursued in a, in a unique way. That the uh, you know certainly the, the 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 pure cloud or public cloud providers or mm-hmm. pure on-premise uh, providers were not mm-hmm. as focused on, and this uh, this extensions really critical now what's uh, what is interesting about this you know the decentral where you start to get the decentralization of application logic but where mm-hmm. you can still maintain some you know some central management is uh, you know I mean ultimately the types of applications that you're going to uh, enable and right. and I, I'd be interested to get uh, always I love these yeah, I, I love to ask two part questions the one is you know what what type of applications do you think are are most prominent Promising or most exciting to you, uh, and and also uh, blockchain technologies uh, are naturally decentralized. I'd love to get your thoughts on you know how blockchain and edge computing have uh, potential you know, potential synergies to enable some new types of applications. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the um, let's let's take an example of smart agriculture, um, where you know edge computing. You know, smart agriculture environments typically have, uh, you know, low network capabilities, high latency kind of things, and that really lends itself to, you know, and motivates one of the needs for edge computing. It also highlights, you know, in my opinion, one of the most wonderful parts about being part of this IoT revolution is that it can really have a profound impact on, you know, reducing environmental, uh, uh, reducing environmental impact. Um, and so as an example in the smart agriculture space, um, you know, with the world's growing population, we're going to need about 50%. Um, we're going to have a 50% increase in demand for food, you know, over the coming decades. That, and we also have, you know, a reduction of, uh, um, land that's available for farming. Um, and, you know, there's water challenges all over. And so being able to take this technique of IoT and edge computing and apply it to smart agriculture can have profound effects. So let me talk about a real example. So one of our partners, uh, Schneider Electric, um, they have, and we have a you know public case study documented on this that you can find online. And in the country of New Zealand, um, them and their partners have built uh, a solution that leverages both, you know, Azure IoT in the cloud as well as edge computing um, to dramatically reduce the amount of water that's being applied um, to uh, while increasing crop yields and also decreasing the amount of pesticides that are being applied. So the way they did that is they have so there's these large watering booms, you know, that are you know, on these you know mile wide you know circular uh, uh, plots, and there's these large watering booms, and what they did is they attached um, little edge computing devices to that watering boom at, at different locations. They have down-facing cameras. And what they did is they built uh, some machine learning models uh, using Azure Machine Learning to detect a variety of things uh, on, right on the ground. Uh, as an example, whether, you know, the... Um, whether the crops were doing well, whether there was a pest infestation, you know, whether whether they were about to water something like a ditch where the water was just going to run off. 
Um, and all of that logic is they trained it in the cloud, but then they pushed it out to the edge, and then it runs as those sprayers are going along. What it's doing is it's collecting data about you know what each what each you know square meter of the of the uh, big circular track looks like, and what's in it, whether there's pesticide or sorry whether there's pest infestations, whether it's too dry. They also have uh, moisture meters in the ground that help you know determine whether to spray or not, and all of that logic about whether to spray or not and how much you know pesticides might be might be needed in different places is all being computed out on the edge and in real time they're deciding whether or not you know to you know which parts of the field to water after that after that you know watering operation happens then they take a summary of that data that was collected and then they upload that to the cloud and so the data is still being sent to the cloud because you want to be able to retrain it, right, and refine your machine learning models. But it doesn't have to be sent in real time to make the decision about whether to spray or not, or whether to um, water, you know, that particular square meter or not. And so that's a good example of, um, one, the benefits of IoT for the, you know, for humanity and the planet, but also um, how edge computing and cloud computing really start to work together. So what you... You know, in summary, what you typically see is cloud is useful for being able to train machine learning models over large amounts of data. Cloud is also uh, very well suited for managing large fleets of these edge devices and pushing workloads out to them. And then the edge devices are great for processing data locally, um, especially in, in situations where you have low or high latency connections or no connections to the cloud. Um, but you still want to benefit from, you know, what's happened or the, that training in the cloud. And then Edge also then sends batch data to the cloud at a, at a, at a lower frequency than you would need to if it was just simple IoT. Actually, that's a, that is, that's a, an amazing case study because it really does, I mean, it, it exhibits the, Potential where of the the real time localized processing at the edge, the ability mm -hmm. to in, incorporate machine learning or update algorithms on the you know on a on a dynamic basis, and then being able to take advantage of that massive processing power for historical data to get the to tune algorithms and uh, really solve a problem in conjunction with the kind of this the multiple. Uh, Tiers of of processing and, uh, and application logic that are that are really tuned to the tuned to the business problem. So so mm -hmm. that is a that is pretty amazing. So no, actually, I, I, I wanted to follow up on the on the second or second part or different question, which is yeah, blockchain. about blockchain. Yeah, what what yep. what are you what are you guys thinking about uh, in terms of, of potential there? And I know that uh, you know Microsoft is, is has done a lot of a lot of pilots and a lot of work in that area. I'd be interested to from your perspective, uh, you know, the relevance of of the technologies and uh, at least in these very early days. Yeah, so blockchain as a sort of secure, tamper-proof, yet distributed ledger, um, it really works well in scenarios. You know, it's related to IoT in that is, as your business starts, you know, tracking all of these, you know, assets and products, uh, as you start benefiting from things like edge computing, um, there's many scenarios where um, 
where either you need to be able to show as evidence, hey, look at all these, you know, these devices have been serviced at this certain time, like I said they would in my uptime guarantee, um, or I'm partnering with other companies um, over uh, over sort of a chain of command where, like, I've produced this, I ship it to you, you do something to it, you ship it on, and we want a chain of evidence. And so blockchain winds up being anytime there's sort of more than one business, um, so you can think of it as sort of a multi-business integration layer, especially where you want a verify, verifiable sort of uh, chain of evidence about uh, a process that's happened. Um, so we see it as highly relevant more to businesses that are taking advantage of these, you know, connected scenarios as opposed to being fundamental to IoT itself. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I think that that's really aligns with 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 my uh, my views as well. So, um, just from you know, from your perspective, are there are there any industries or uh, specific use cases that you that you see that are having uh, real successes with with unique approaches or or even unconventional uh, uses of technology? Yeah, one of the. Um one of the industries that we see moving pretty quickly right now, um, and just to sort of pile on to that, different we, we see different industries moving at different rates right now um, through, for a variety of reasons. But one of the industries that's moving pretty quickly right now is uh, the area of smart buildings. Um, there's a lot of adoption in smart buildings that's, that's happening sort of organically. Uh, we recently announced uh, a set of new capabilities for spatial intelligence that we're doing as a platform that some companies like um, CBRE uh, and Steelcase um, and some others are using um, to do things in uh, buildings like help help tenants understand how much space am I actually using? Right? Like I'm leasing a million square feet. Am I actually do I actually need all million square feet, or do you know do I need more? Um, and also, again, to benefit you know the planet and humanity, to be able to reduce the amount of energy that they're using uh, in these spaces. And really, what's fascinating about smart buildings is that's really just the start, because once you're able to you know figure out how much space you actually need and how and know how your space is being used, um, and and to reduce the amount of energy, it enables all sorts of new productivity experiences, and that really ties in with our, you know, Office 365 offerings. So as an example, um, you know, a lot of companies have a lot of meeting rooms, and a lot of times those meeting rooms are booked, but being able to know whether a meeting room is actually open or not, whether there's, you know, whether there's people inside of it, not who's inside of it, but whether there's anyone in it. Um, can mean the difference between I can actually use my meeting space and I can't. Um, so there's um, so there's a lot of activity that's happening in in, in smart buildings um, that's that's been uh, wonderful to watch and it's something that uh, we ha- we have a lot of investment going into. That's a no. That's a great point. I I know that you guys have been working with Steelcase for a while, and what's so interesting yep. to me is that they're, you know, they you, to see this evolution from their perspective to from being a provider of products to basically a provider of uh, you know productivity so, productivity yeah. solutions. Yeah, yeah exactly. Software driven uh, solutions that do incorporate some physical goods, of course, but it's uh, it. it it really that that is that 
realization, that, that digital transformation that you were alluding to uh, really is, right at the beginning. This case is a great example of that, of like, hey, we, we are going to make this leap between you know what we've always done and what we're going to do going forward. And they're, and they're, they're very much doing it. Yeah. So uh, just you know, kind of, uh, looking forward into the, into the crystal ball, I mean, with, yes. with so much that's, you know, that's, that's amassed here, I'd love to get your sense of you know, what, what, what are you looking, you know, looking forward to over the next, uh, over the next decade? How do you, how do you see the, the industry evolving uh, in, in, the, uh, in the future? Um, well, we're obviously, you know, going to continue on our mission around simplifying and making it, you know, easier and easier. Um, and so you're, you're going to see a lot of that from us. Um, and that's going to mean more and more, uh, more and more complete parts uh, of the puzzle. Um, as an example, we recently launched uh, a product called Azure Sphere. And for, for just a moment of context, you know, of the 20 billion or so devices that everyone's projecting will be connected by 2020, about 15 billion of those are these tiny microprocessors. Um, a lot of these microprocessors go into, they go into heating and air conditioning, they go into appliances, they go into um, medical devices and things like that. <clears throat> and what we were seeing, just to sort of motivate this, what we were seeing is that, um, you know, security for these devices really hadn't changed over the last 15 years and that they were fundamentally insecure. Um, whereas more, you know, powerful operating systems, uh, more typical processors had evolved lots and lots of security techniques, um, to deal with, to deal with threats. And so what we did is we put together this offering, Azure Sphere, which is a, really a first of its kind for microprocessors that has, um, some interesting, uh, and very unique, uh, chip intellectual property that we license to manufacturers. It has a micro, uh, uh Linux kernel, uh, that we, maintain and stand behind and service and it also has a security service that monitors these devices and so now if i'm a you know, like if i'm doing hvac controls and i want these to be connected um, directly to the cloud so that i can provide predictive maintenance or i can provide you know uh, uptime guarantees and things like that i don't have to worry about is this thing going to get hacked microsoft stands behind it like we're 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 the you know one partner that will stand behind that and so you'll see you'll see more and more of those kind of things, where um, where we'll make it sort of worry free. We'll have worry free security across a, a broad spectrum uh, of of offerings. You know, of course, always done in partnerships uh, with chip manufacturers, uh, with the device value chain, and all that. The other thing that you'll see more and more and more from us is dramatically simplifying uh, the process of finding insights. And that applies that applies especially to IoT, um, and so we're going to get to the point where, um, you know, <clears throat> you're you're able to find insights. Like what we're doing with cognitive services is really just the beginning um, of making it so that um, this this technique of being able to find these breakthrough opportunities to be able to find the sort of needle in the haystack, as it were, of the of the signal uh, in your data. Um, is democratized and that any knowledge worker can do that. Like one of the things in sort of a step towards that that we introduced last year was a service called Azure Time Series Insights. Mm -hmm. And for context, you know, if, as we look forward to, I think it's by 2020, the world's going to be generating somewhere around four zettabytes of data. Um, 
That is a lot of data. <laughs> and about, and, a, and about, sorry, 44 zettabytes. And about four zettabytes of that will be time series data from devices. And what time series data is, is, you know, repeated measurements that are happening at, you know, second or, you know, minute increments like temperature of a device, humidity, engine RPMs, and things like that. And finding insights from time series data used to be the, you know, only available to the realm of data wranglers. Like someone would have to run these long-running data wrangling jobs that would happen over, you know, overnight or over over a week over historical data. And so what we did is we took um, some pretty sophisticated um, capabilities that we had in Azure for monitoring all of the Azure services worldwide. Um, and we introduced this, uh, what we call time series insights. And what it lets you do is store, you know, petabytes or exabytes of data um, into this highly optimized store and be able to query across it in seconds. And not just query across it in terms of like a SQL query, but query across it visually hmm. so that you can wow. see visual patterns in it. And what it really means is that if I'm an average knowledge worker and I've learned how to use Excel, I can, I can find insights over petabytes of IoT data simply. Um, and that's a, that's a pretty powerful thing. So you'll see us continuing to make it easier to find uh, these insights quickly and that anyone can. Now that's 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 really exciting and and clearly coming back to that theme of simplicity around Microsoft it it certainly is uh you know it, it, the you know the company's come a long way I you know when I hear you talk about a micro linux kernel too I know we're in the the yep. Satya Nadella era as, as yes, well very much. so um <laughs> no I, it's been a fantastic conversation Sam and and I uh I'd just like to round out by asking one of my favorite questions which is just a a, a a, a book or resource recommendation that that you you can uh, you can share with our listeners. Yeah, um, you know, for, so for a little bit of context on this one, um, uh, when we were starting uh, IoT, it, you know, IoT is such a broad topic, and there was so many there were so many needs to do all at once. You know, while we were you know building the team and growing the business and all of that. Um, I really looked to, there was a certain book that was recommended to me, which is The Hard Thing About Hard Things. Oh, great. Um, and that really helped. I mean, that, that, that was a great book about, you know, how to deal with situations where there is no easy way to prioritize your way out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, I found that I found that book to be very, very insightful and very helpful. That's uh, in my, in that's my great. journey. Well, I appreciate the recommendation. I actually have not read that one, so I'm I'm going to have to I'm, I'm going to have to make sure to uh, <laughs> cover that one soon as well. Well, listen, this is uh, it's been a it's been a great conversation. Uh, this is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner with Momenta Partners, and we've been speaking with Sam George, who is Director of Azure IoT at Microsoft. Sam. Thank you very much for your time. Hey, thank you so much, Ed. Take care. Terrific. Thank you for listening to the Momenta Intelligent Edge podcast. We rely on feedback, comments, and input from our listeners. So please interact with us by going to our LinkedIn page, our Twitter accounts, or email us at edge at momenta.partners with any suggestions, guest ideas, or commentary. We really value your input and appreciate your listening.
Thanks a lot. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner with Momentum Partners.